I didn't really want to do this episode. Uh, I feel like I have to eat some crow. Um, yeah. So Forspoken came out on my birthday. I was really looking forward to this. And I saw some early reviews and I said, you know, the trailers, the trailers look really good. I played the demo. The demo looks workable. It looks really like a, like a piece of, um, a piece of a story that I want to know more about. And then it came out and I started playing it. I did some streams and, you know, there's a, there's an article uh, that I wrote for our op-ed on the uh, End of a Species website, specifically talking about uh, open world games and tropes that shouldn't be in them anymore. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of actually uh, unfortunate with this particular game that it almost hit every single one of them. And the reason that I wrote it was because while I was playing this game, it hit so many of those tropes. Now, the positives, now, and I'll tell you, I'm probably less than 10 hours into this game. I've just beaten the first, the first Tanta, so I got her powers, um, and I fast-traveled back to that first town. I'm not even going to look it up or pretend that I remember what the name of the town is. But... The idea of having um, lifeless, useless NPCs, an almost empty world, which normally I'm okay with if there's a reason. Like in Red Dead 2, right, there's a, uh, there's a lot of expanse that you're riding your horse and you go from one place to another, but that's kind of the charm, right? The charm of it is that you are going through this um, this world and you have to kind of like there's a survival element and you camp in between places and you are exploring. Um, here, there isn't that. Here, you're doing this parkour thing, which is awesome, but you're going from one kind of almost Assassin's Creed old school-esque checkpoint to another where you have these copy and pasted kind of refugee location, refuge locations where you go in and um, rest, like rest spots, right? And you have um, monuments and places with, like, when I saw the very first, like, really big beast creature that, that, I, was, that I had to fight, I got a little excited because I said, oh, so is, if, is this going to be around the entire map? And those are cool because they present a, at least a little modicum of a challenge and you can go at them and, and kind of get something better than the mobs that you get. But the world itself is pretty, it doesn't feel lived in and it doesn't even feel apocalyptic. Like... Classically, if you think of World of Warcraft after Cataclysm and, and everything looks broken in certain spots, like something bad happened. Here it just looks like a wonderful landscape that has monsters in it. It doesn't really, with the exception of when you get close to the, to the Tanta's lair, it doesn't really feel like a place that I would consider 
scary to leave. And so I think that's part of it. Um, I'm all over the place, but a lot of that has to do with the fact that I'm a little upset about how this game panned out. Um, I enjoy the gameplay. I'm still going to play it. I'm still going to stream it, but these are just like initial thoughts after a few hours of gameplay. And knowing that in a couple of days, Hogwarts Legacy is going to come out and that's going to have most of my attention. So this game has a story that starts off kind of weird. Um, Given that a lot of people pay attention to, I want to say at least high profile trials, right? So when you, when you think of um, murder trials and, and things like that, where, you know somebody has a felony, oh, it's a big deal. If somebody has a capital case, it's a big deal. This one starts off with kind of a like a felony that's your third one, but we're going to give you a community service or something like that for it, where it's like, okay, you can leave. And it doesn't make sense. And then I'm not going to spoil too much of the story, but I feel like I figured it out already because it's very tropish. When you um, when you get the uh, when you get cuff, you if you've played any game that has a story similar to this, you can kind of piece together what's happening here. And um, I'll I'll reference a game that is a little more uh, niche. Maybe not a lot of people have played, but Bravely Default comes to mind. You kind of get an idea of what we're dealing with in this plot very early on and so that takes away some of the the uh i guess charm and how that's going to play out like in the inevitable we've beat the game what do we do now kind of thing um so yeah i i guess that that is my biggest my biggest gripe right now is that there are a lot of tropes in this game that shouldn't should no longer be in open world games and so if you want to go through like my thoughts on those go to the blog overall graphics for spoken top notch really good looking game the um the actual characters not as great like the faces look kind of weird but Overall, the graphics are really good. Particle effects, luminous productions, uh, your engine is on point. Keep using it. Um, the uh, environmental effects from spells, love them. I love them in uh, Final Fantasy XV, and I love them here. Great work. Um, we covered the writing. God-awful dialogue. God-awful. Really bad. Um, I mean, almost borderline cringy at parts, but it, I mean, to the point where it takes me out of the, uh, out of the gameplay, um, because it's just, it's just bad. Um, I have some friends that were watching my stream that didn't think it was that bad, but I, in my opinion, is, is throw it out. Um, not, not great. 
uh, although I will say that early on, the um, the interactions between Frey and Cuff are decent. Um, they have a pretty good rapport. Um, yeah, I think that's all I'll say about that. It's it's nothing incredible, and nothing. Um, it's not bad. It's 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 enjoyable. Um, there's another game coming out in a couple months, Jedi Survivor, that I'm really looking forward to, and the interactions, like without saying words, the interactions between Cal Kestis and BD One are great. I mean, they that is gold standard. But most droids in the Star Wars universe give you really good interactions. Um, I would say between Frey and Cuff, there's not really like a straight man and the punchline guy. It's they're both trying to be sarcastic, but they do it in a in a charming way. So that's cool. What we have in the writing of the plot is there's no tone setting. Sometimes Frey doesn't want to be what she is. Sometimes she, she's all too happy to be the hero. And it happens in like really quick spots. So um, that's a stylistic thing. But it's also very noticeable because it's an open world game. So this, so you do missions in a specific, like in the order that they're presented or in the order that you want to. And that may not be in the same order, and the tone from one to the next might be different. And I think the best solution to that is to keep the same tone in a group and then change it as you get to later groups. Or do what more modern games do and adjust it depending on the variables of, have you done this already? Then we're going to adjust the dialogue this way. Um, And I don't think this game does that, almost to a fault. There are some places where... I can tell I'm heading into a town or into an area and it triggers a bit of dialogue, kind of giving me the background of that area. And if I leave and come back, sometimes that dialogue will happen again. But that is something that if enough people say, hey, this is happening, you can fix that. You can you can go in and patch that out. So although it's a thing, it's not something I'm going to um, particularly fault for it. Um. But the reason that I started this off by saying that I uh, need to eat some crow is because I was predisposed to saying that the reason that this game had a Metacritic score of 67 and or, or 66 or whatever it ended up being, and that the reason that so many other publications were scoring this game low was for the same reasons that are the usual suspects. I won't go into them, but we kind of all know that when there are certain games with certain characters, they tend to score lower. In this case, I don't think it's that far lower than um, than it should be. Um, I would I would probably just with my limited experience and where do I expect it to go from here? I think this game is in my head trending to be like a seven, seven and a half out of 10 in that range. But it's a game that is the debut game for a group of developers that made final fantasy 15. So 
I don't know where that places them in expectations. Um, I mean, for one, Final Fantasy 15 vanilla was not great. And it turned into something else as it got updates and patches and whatnot. So that's a thing. But at the same time, is this a triple A? Like, do you, would we consider this a triple A game? Um, I mean, it certainly is marketed as like in the same way. I know that's kind of a nebulous term. Um, I don't know. I would not consider this meeting expectations as far as what I expected from the game. Although I am going to continue to play it, um, I do enjoy the parts of the game that do what they do. So like, the parkour, I've mentioned that before, even in this in this context, but it's really good. The combat itself is r- decent, but it becomes really good by virtue of the fact that it has a really awesome game engine powering it. Um, I'll I'll go back to my memories on playing Final Fantasy fifteen, and the first time I had like a really powerful like say Blizzaga spell come out. And seeing how the environment reacts to that, having that happen again here is really enjoyable. Um, With ray tracing, this game is amazing, incredible, uh, as far as what to look at. So it's worth continuing to play if you can get over all the other stuff. Um, Having scenes that fade really slowly into each other is this is hyperbole, but I'm going to say it anyway. It's borderline criminal because it's like you're moving so fast and then you get into a town and then you have this slow fade to black, slow fade back, and the thing that you're supposed to do in this area is described to you. Um, There's another thing that really slows things down, and that's when whenever you're done with a quest, whether it's beating a boss or bringing a thing to a person, you leave that area and Frey has this brief conversation with Cuff during which you can do nothing. You're not moving. You're just listening to that conversation. You could put your controller down. And that, again, is something that, um, I don't know, get rid of that. Don't do that in games. If you're a developer listening to this and you have a choice, take that out like let me move keep the keep the movement of the game going um i don't know how big this map is it compared to other games but another thing i would say is if you tighten up the map a little bit and make it so that everywhere you go there's something significant to do and not just copy pasted the days of spitting checkpoints and objectives on a map Things should be there for a reason. And so, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, uh, it's, it's unfortunate. Do I think there should be a sequel? Um, I don't know that Frey Holland is a compelling enough character for me. I'll see what happens at the end and maybe I'll do another one of these when I finish the game. Uh, 
I, I estimate it'll be a few months with everything that's coming out in between. Like Hogwarts Legacy and uh, Jedi Survivor are definitely going to take uh, top billing over for Spoken. But when I'm finished, maybe we'll revisit and see if I think there should be a sequel to this game. Um, I would imagine the smart move writing-wise would be to leave room for a sequel. That seems smart, uh, just in case, you know, the, um, the fortunes change, but the, the gaming industry is kind of, kind of weird. Um, we, there's a ton of games that have come out that have been, uh, duds or worse when, uh, at launch and then they become, I mean, no man's sky comes to mind when no man's sky came out, people wanted to like <laughs> find the devs, um, find Sean Murray and you know, all the, all the things. And now it's, it's a darling. Like, uh, I have people at my job asking like, Hey, should I pay? It's, it's out for full price. Should I buy it? And everybody says, yes, it's worth a full $60 if you can get it. Um, so that's a good story. Is that going to happen with Forspoken? Can the, can, I mean, you can't really change the writing at this point, but some of the mechanics you can change. I mean, I, mean, I assume that you can uh, change the timing of fade ins and fade outs. Um, you can tweak how fast the pacing of certain things in. Those are things that you can do with patches. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think that this game has the potential to be a masterpiece, but it definitely has the potential to be a really, really solid good game. So we will revisit the sequel potential of this game and we will revisit whether or not um, the game should get a second chance. Like this wasn't the best like debut I guess I mean I, I couldn't even call it a debut Luminous is a new kind of spin-off company but all of these guys are you know Square Enix employees I guess that worked on Final Fantasy 15 and I haven't dug into it but I would imagine they've worked on other projects before that so I mean maybe give them another shot on a different IP, maybe improve this one and maybe the sequel will be better. Um, I don't know. I just feel very strange. I feel strange because it's not often that I look at a trailer and I'm so wrong about a game. Like I was so over the moon excited about this game coming out and even as I started the first few scenes, I said, there was this voice in the back of my head that was like, this isn't quite great, but I was shooting that voice down and it wasn't until I got to this first boss that I said, okay, I've given it a few hours. I've seen what the, what the tone of this game has to offer and I'm not, I'm not in love with it. I'm really not. Um... Like, games that I've looked forward to in the past, the first Spider-Man, 
from the very beginning of that game to the very end, it has you. Has you and demands your attention. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn and Forbidden West. Both games that from the beginning to the end, with very minor exceptions, say you need to be paying attention. You, you know, we have put care into every corner of our world. Um, this one, I kind of expected that given the trailers that I saw, but it hasn't. I don't really, I guess emotionally I'm not connected. And that's, a, that's the, I think that's the biggest thing that's, that's messing with my head right now. And part of the reason that I didn't want to do this episode but I felt like I had to. I had to like get these thoughts out in kind of a stream of consciousness fashion and just say there are things here in a game that I thought was going to be great that are not so good, right? Um, and I just have to come to terms with that. I have to. Um, I have to hope that the game itself is. Um, improved through updates and patches, which is kind of a grace that we silently give games while still criticizing them. But it doesn't change the fact that um, at the end of the day, here we are. Here we are with a um, a game that should have been awesome and instead was just pedestrian. Those are my thoughts. Um, yeah, so read the article on the blog. Leave me a comment. Leave a comment here on YouTube or on the podcast. And let me know what you think. If you've played the game, am I way off? Um, I'll, I'll be happy if somebody could convince me Otherwise, that I'm that I just haven't given it a chance, and that it does get better from here. But uh, I doubt it. Mm-hmm.